This is unstructured. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm excited to have a guest tonight that I've actually met in person, which is a rarity on this show. I met uh, James last week at Podcast Movement. It feels like it just happened yesterday because it was a long week. But um, James Cridlin is the creator of podnews.net, along with a an extensive resume. Now, he calls himself a radio futurologist. We have to discover that. What is a radio <laughs> futurologist? What is a radio futurologist? Is that your first question, Eric? Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'll let you into a little secret. When you uh, print your own business cards, uh, as I do, then you can literally call yourself anything. So uh, I always wanted knowledge, so <laughs> I call myself a radio futurologist. So I'm basically, I'm a, um, I'm a uh, writer, a speaker, and a consultant helping radio companies understand what's next. And clearly part of what's next is podcasting. Okay, and that's interesting. So you're saying that you're not a medium or a fortune teller, or are you? <laughs> well, I look at where the trends are going. I look at where people are consuming uh, great audio. Um, and, you know, and so clearly part of that is podcasting. Part of that is sort of, you know, on-demand stuff. Um, it depends on what, on what device you're listening to, and it depends how you're listening, uh, you know, to it, of course. But, uh, yeah, you know, so I'm doing a fair amount of trying to guess um, where the future is going, but also being informed by the, uh, the the current consumption trends and all of that. So yeah, you know, and it's a quite it's quite an interesting uh, area, really. I mean, I think you know we tend to forget how large radio is um, mm -hmm. and how small podcasting is, uh, and that's great news for podcasting because we've got so far to grow. Um, but you know, but I mean, clearly, radio—you know, ninety-three percent of people in in the U.S. tune into radio every single week, uh, and that figure is less than twenty percent in terms of podcasting. Um, you know, so podcasting has a long way to grow. Radio is still massive, but actually, there is clear change in the way that we are consuming uh, consuming audio content. I, I have a question about that. Um, one of the, my theories is. And this goes back to the uh, cable box advantage. Yeah. And I would say the radio advantage. When I turn on the radio in the car, I get content immediately. You do. As soon as I hit a station, <laughs> boom, I have something yeah. there. Um, same thing with like a cable box. When I turn on the television, boom, something's playing. Do you think that that is part of the reason for this divide that having the ability to just so much lean back and hit the button and get content is something that podcasts can't deliver yet. Well, I think certainly, you know, in terms of user experience, one of the most important things that radio has um, is that it has a user interface, which for most people is just one button. Uh, it's the on button, or if you like it, the entertain me button. Um, <laughs> and you, and you hit it and it entertains you and until you've had enough and then you, and then you turn it off again. Um, and that, and that has two things actually. The first thing is that it's really easy and straightforward uh, and typically, most people, you know, as you say, you, you get into the car, you turn the ignition key, uh, or you press the button these days, and the engine turns on, but your radio turns on with you. Um, but what it also means is that um, radio doesn't stop. So clearly, podcasts stop. At the end of a podcast, uh, everything goes a little bit quiet, unless you've been clever and you set up a playlist and, and all that kind of uh, stuff. So that actually means that you have to continue doing work to listen to great content, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that radio doesn't actually have. Um, so there have been some podcast apps which have tried to fix that, and the most notable of that is uh, Stitcher. Um, but actually, you know, it, it is one of the things that um, holds podcasting back a little bit, just that, uh, just that um, uh, user interface thing and just making it easy for people to go and have a listen to a podcast. The first thing that you have to do when you listen to um, any podcast or indeed, you know, when you go into Spotify or something is you need to make a decision on what you want to have a listen to now. And your local NPR station has already made that, made that choice for you, you know, and it's put something out. It might not be what you want to have a listen to, but it's definitely put something out there for you. 
And I think that's one of the interesting differences when it comes to podcasting versus, you know, live radio. Is that part of the reason that NPR is so powerful in podcasting too? Is it, it has done a good job of helping tailor the audience tastes? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, NPR is interesting. Um, uh, and obviously, I come to this, I, I live in Australia, but I'm a Brit, as you can tell from my ridiculous accent. And, um, <laughs> you know, and I come to this from a point of view of having a proper national broadcaster, the BBC. And the BBC, you know, uh, has done a fantastic job in the UK of both producing podcasts, but also enter- uh, but also educating people as to what podcasts are. Um, and that's been a very useful thing. When you look at uh, NPR, NPR is a bit more of a mishmash because there isn't a national NPR radio station. There are lots of local affiliates. Those local affiliates take, um, or member stations, as I believe I should be calling them, and those and those stations take individual NPR programming at certain times. So you're never quite sure when Radio Lab's going to be on. You're never quite sure when Car Talk's going to be on, or any of those individual shows. Um, so, you know, it's not really a national radio station in the same way. So actually that lends itself far better for on-demand content because you know that, you know, if you happen to be traveling, if you're not within, um, the reception range of your local NPR station, you, you probably don't even know when your favorite shows are actually on. So on-demand makes it far easier. And that's, I think, why uh, NPR has done a very good job, not just in podcasting, but also in its uh, personalized radio service, uh, NPR One, uh, which has been doing some very clever things in terms of trying to work out where the future of um, of linear radio listening and news radio listening is going as well. So, yeah, it's really interesting watching what they're doing. That makes sense. And I'm wondering... Is it possible that other technologies may help inform podcast listeners or potential podcast listeners how to deal with it? As an example, I would give the DVR or TiVo and Netflix. Maybe that's helping train users that here's how to binge. Here's how to set up a queue. Here's how to do these things that have been around for podcasting for years. At least I know Overcast does it, Pocket Cast does it, depending mm. on the app. I'm wondering if people maybe can get the analogy because of Netflix and other. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's a lot, uh, there's a lot in that of using the right vocabulary and using the right uh, terminology to actually help people. And, you know, the, the obvious examples um, just from a really basic level is the New York times daily or NPRs up first. They've given you the clue in the title of their podcast as to how you should consume it, which is a really clever plan. Um, you know, they haven't, they haven't called it something a little bit more esoteric. They've called it something which is really obvious. You should listen to this show daily. You should listen to it first in your day. You know, that's a very clever plan. And I think, you know, we, we sometimes get a little bit too um, uh, too confused and too concerned with the technology. Um, mm-hmm. When actually, you know, I mean, the, there's some figures, uh, and it's figures actually of radio listeners, but um, uh, that Jacobs Media put together, and and that that which came out a couple of months ago shows that 20% of people don't know how to listen to a podcast, but 60% mm-hmm. of people don't know why. And I think we mm-hmm. should focus much more on the why, on the 60%, um, because that, uh, you know, frankly, we should be focusing on the content. And the how is a different conversation that we should be able to fix relatively easily. You mean if you give them a reason to yeah. figure it out, they will come? Yeah. If you give them a good enough reason, if you give them good enough content um, and you show people you know, um, uh, some of the great content available on this, then people will learn um, but at the moment, quite a lot of people are scared away because we use the uh, we use the word subscribe, and we talk about podcast catchers. Um, and when we give people um, a link to how you can listen to a particular podcast, then we'll give them twenty different apps. Look, you can listen to us on Overcast and on po- Podcast Dog, and you know all, all <laughs> these weird and wonderful things. Um, you know, if you if you go into a supermarket and you're and you want to buy some strawberry jam. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you, probably the best plan is to give you a choice of three, give you yeah, a choice of a choice. the cheap stuff, the really expensive stuff and the stuff that everybody will actually buy. What you shouldn't do is you shouldn't mm-hmm. go into 
um, go into a supermarket and give give people a choice of 25 different brands of strawberry jam because chances are you will leave without buying a single brand because you're there going, oh, my God, it's too complicated. I need to think mm-hmm. about this. You know, so, um, you know, so I'm a big fan of lowering the, the friction into podcasting um, and whether that's just making it easier in terms of what your website does or making it easier in terms of how the software actually works you know, then I think that that's something which is important. I mean, I use Android Auto in my car. Um, mm. And what it's very good at doing is when I get into the car and uh, and start the engine, it automatically plays whatever podcast I was I was enjoying um, nice. when I was last in the car. So that that to me is quite neat and quite clever. Um, and I think that actually, you know, we, we should um, try and aim for more of those sorts of, um, you know, sorts of experiences. Well, that that makes me think too. Are some of these issues squabbles within the industry itself? Um, a good example was I, I was um, roommates with um, Daniel J. Lewis at the yeah. conference, and he's a a master training podcasting guy. Yeah, and I had mentioned if I could just have one link that I could send out for a show, that it would just find whatever app they're going to use. And he said. Um, something like a follow an Android or whatever. He, he rattled yeah, right off the yeah, top yeah. of his head. And I was like, Oh wow. Is that relatively new? He's not, no, it's a couple of years old. Yeah. But Libsyn's not going to promote that because that's from blueberry. Well, and so, um, <laughs> uh, and, and of course that's no good in terms of Android, uh, sorry, in terms of, uh, iOS, you know, as well. No. Um, you know, so you've got that kind of side on it as well. Actually, there are a few of those. Uh, there's one which I covered a couple of months ago on Pod News, which is called Play Podcast. Um, so it's Play Podcast with a dot um, in front of the ST. That's a really, it's a really easy <laughs> domain to read out. Playpodcast.st. Um, and uh, what that, and it's a paid for service, it costs you 10 bucks a year, I think. Um, and what that allows you to do is it allows you to produce a link which works on everything, including iOS. Um, mm. So if you're using iOS, it will bounce you off to Apple Podcasts automatically. If you're using uh, Android, it'll bounce you off to Google Podcasts automatically. The important thing about those two apps is that you don't need to install anything. They are already installed on your device. And if you're not using um, an Android phone or an iOS phone, then it will automatically take you to um, to the website, to a website of some sort. Um and you know and 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 so either you can make that play podcast uh, link um which will cost you 10 bucks or if you understand enough about user agents and all that kind of stuff you can just build build one for yourself so i've built built one for pod news so pod news has a daily podcast that you can go and have a listen to um, very good by the way yeah well, well thank you very much um and uh, what it, what it what it ends up doing is you know there is a link um which I share on social media, which will automatically open um, uh, the right media player, uh, the right podcast player on your device. Um, so you can actually do it, but I agree. I mean, you know, Apple doesn't want to build that, of course, nor does Google. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to be a third-party thing. And I think, you know, subscribe on Android, which is the service that you're that you're talking about, that's Thank fine. You. But one of the difficulties of, of, um, of that is that, you know, again... It, we, we know enough about our users to know whether or not they're using an Android phone or an iOS phone. So let's just make it even easier and just show them the right button. Um, so actually, if you visit the bottom of Pod News, uh, if you visit um, the podnews.net website and you have a look at the bottom, if you're using an iPhone, that's all you see. All you see is the, is the have a listen on, on Apple Podcasts button. Mm. Um, and I automatically hide the, the Google one because I know it won't work. You know, and right. and this is and this is, I think, you know, coming back to that whole, the whole friction thing of try and stop um, confusing things. Try and stop talking about subscribing and and all of that stuff. Um, don't give you know a great big list of podcast apps. Give give the ones that you know will work, which is essentially Apple or Google. Um, and if you can, if you've got the technical nous, then just show the one that the, the only one that you know will work, because you know you can guarantee that both of those buttons won't work on one device. Sure. Now, on the, the flip side of that, though, do you not want you don't like the term subscribe? 
I can understand that because that implies a monetary transaction. Yeah. What do you recommend? Because that is what most people want the audience to do. So when the next episode comes down, they will see it. So I don't know if it's follow or something else, but what would you yeah. do? Uh, so I think I think my answer on that is I, I think we're putting the cart the horn, uh, before the horse there in terms of telling people to subscribe. The first thing that we want somebody to, to, to do is to listen to the podcast. If they really like it, you can subscribe, of course. But the first thing that we want them to do is listen. Um, okay. So listen, listen to the podcast, I think, should be the phrasing, the, the vocabulary that we use. Um, come and listen to my podcast at my website address. Um, once you've done that, or once people are listening, that is when you tell them to subscribe in the podcast itself. Um, mm, and there's a okay. big subscribe button on uh, both Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts. And if you're a power user and you have installed something different, and most people haven't, but if you are a power user and you've and you've installed something different, then chances are you'll know how to sub how to subscribe anyway. You know what I mean? So um, you know. So I'm I'm uh, again I'm a big believer in let's keep this simple. Come and listen to my podcast at mypodcastwebsite.com. Once you've done that, once you're listening and you know that you want to subscribe, then absolutely fine. But I think it's sort of, you know, it's being a bit presumptuous that you would want to subscribe to a podcast that you've not listened to yet, if you see what I mean. Sure, sure. Now, on, on that note, um, would you recommend that they share the entire feed or specific episode? Well, that's an interesting question. There was a lot of conversation around in uh in a podcast movement about sharing a trailer or sharing a particular episode that you really wanted somebody to go and and uh, have a listen to and i think that there's certainly something in that line of thinking um i mean from my own podcast because it's obviously it's a daily news podcast and it's very short it's only two minutes long um, frankly, you know, the latest one is probably the one that I want you to go and have a listen to, but I can certainly see that, you know, if, um, if I was serial, I would want you to listen to episode one. I wouldn't want you to listen to the last episode, you know, so, um, you know, so ordering and stuff like that is really important. Um, and I can certainly see that, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, um, the other sort of side of it is that certainly on Google, you can't link to a specific episode yet. So, um, so maybe the only way of actually doing that is to link to the feed, um, mm -hmm. and make sure that the, the one that you want people to have a listen to is the, is, is, is at the top of that feed. Okay. And by doing that, they can see potentially, oh, you also did this and this and this. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little more. Okay, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, part of the problem I feel with the industry, and you can correct me on it, is I, I always get a chuckle out of the um, the good news and the bad news, and it's the same statement. Right. Kind of yes. like <laughs> at my job, the good news is I can work remotely at home. The bad news is, I can work remotely at home. Yes. <laughs> now, yes. with podcasts, it is ever easier to start and create your own podcast. Mm -hmm. That's the good news. The bad news is it's, it's ever, ever easier yeah. <laughs> to start creating a podcast. Yeah. Do you see that as a problem? And I bring this up, and sorry to go long on the question, but they brought up all those stats that you had mentioned before at the conference about how 60-something percent of the people have heard a podcast or they know what they are. The actual people who have ever yeah. listened to it were in the 20s. The people who listen every month were like in the teens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean again, I... I think that there's I think that there's different conversations here. So I think firstly, um, you know, it's it it's a really important um to explain the content that you can get in podcasting. You know, nobody buys um nobody buys cable TV because it's a very clever solution using a coaxial cable to deliver um, hundreds of channels to your house. That is not why people buy cable TV. People buy cable TV um, 
because of the content that they get on there, because they can watch live sport and they can watch live news and they can watch uh, uh, you know, movies and everything else. That's why people buy cable TV. And in this, exactly the same way, that's why, um, that's why people listen to podcasts to hear the content, not because it happens to be you know, an MP3 enclosure in an RSS field. Um, <laughs> you know, so I mean, I think I think that's kind of number one. Yeah, to to the point that you that you make um, around anybody being able to make a podcast, that as you say is great news and bad news. It's great news because there is so much great content out there, and anyone can do it, and anyone can be on the same level playing field as the big boys, um, mm-hmm. and that's really good um, because that means that there's such a plurality of different voices out there. It means that if you are good at what you do, there is no reason why you shouldn't be, you know, number one in, uh, in a podcast chart when one exists and, and we can always come back to the iTunes charts well, as well. We're going to get to that. Oh yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so you have a look at the, uh, 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 you know, at the, at the flatness of the industry, and that's fantastic. Um, but also that means that there's an awful lot of um, content out there which isn't necessarily as good as the content that you might be expecting, you know. So um, finding great podcasts uh, that you want to go and, and uh, have a listen to is a difficult job, um, and I think, you know, that's something that we need to work out as a podcast industry. We need to work out how to how to help people. Hence why I come at this from the point of view of we've got astonishingly great uh, content. Let's uh, let's tell people what that fantastic content is. Set it free. And I yeah. would also point out that a lot of people would have the natural impression that, OK, well, it's all just a bunch of beginners. They don't know what they're doing. They release crap that's out there. But it's not only the beginners. You have celebrities yeah. who are told by their publicists, you got to get on this podcasting thing because it's huge. And so they do it and they half-ass it. And people <laughs> aren't really into it. Yeah. And so then they go, you know, the publicist, everybody else goes, oh, well, that's just the podcast. It's not their real work. And podcasts are treated sort of like local access cable to bring back to your analogy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, you know, I mean, I think we uh, um, we need to be careful that the word podcast isn't seen as three people having a chat in front of a in front of an iPhone. Um, uh, you know, it, because, you know, three people having a chat in front of an iPhone that hasn't been properly polished, that doesn't sound very good, that hasn't been produced is always going to be a crappy experience unless they're incredibly, you know, uh, incredibly erudite and, and witty. Um, you know, so I like think my current guest, I think we, <laughs> who's he? Uh, so, so I think, you know, from that, from that point of view, you know, I think, I think we just need to be a little bit careful, but thankfully, you know, podcasts such as serial podcasts, such as, um, you know, such as the, the New York Times Daily actually shows that you can have a tremendously great polished experience on a podcast, um, and the podcasts aren't just one person in front of a microphone ranting for three quarters of an hour. True. Now, how much money is going into each of their episodes? Well, uh, true, but then you have a look at uh, so there's a uh, there's a podcast that I listen to um, here in uh, Brisbane in Australia called Brisbane is Weird, uh, and it's a podcast that is put together by somebody in their spare time. Um, there aren't that many episodes, but they're all beautifully polished. They sound great, mm-hmm. and it's just one guy. Um, and I think that's the benefit of audio is that you can uh, produce some great sounding audio with very little equipment, um, with very little um, uh, tech. Um, but if you know what you're doing, you can produce something which is astonishingly good. And that's actually much harder when you start looking at uh, TV, when you look at video, when you look at all of this kind of area, you know, f- um, you know, podcasting is, you know, you can start, I, I would rather that people didn't, but you can start by literally just sitting there downloading a couple of free, um, free uh, editors, uh, you know, over, over the internet, and just sort of having a play. Um, and, you know, and that and that's absolutely fine. But it, but you can polish uh, stuff and make it sound fantastic if you want to as well. Okay. And to get on the other side of my argument, because yeah. I argue with myself too, it is difficult <laughs> sometimes to get skilled at something without actually doing it. So I agree. If somebody's Absolutely. never podcasted, 
Yeah. Well, how do they get up good at podcasting? Well, they kind of yeah. have to throw garbage out there. Sorry. It's, uh, yeah, no, you're, you are, you are absolutely right. And I think, um, I mean, a lot of the conversations that I see in the Facebook groups, uh, around podcasting is what equipment should I buy? Um, uh, because I think it's sort of, um, it's sort of believed by people who are starting podcasting that the equipment is going to help them make a, a, a fantastic podcast. It really isn't, you know, you can make a, an astonishing podcast using a mobile phone and that's it, um, mm. to record stuff. Um, you know, it's, that's not what you want. What you want is to actually use the equipment that you have to the best of your ability and use the equipment that you, you know, and understand what equipment you have and what you can do with it. You know, I mean, there, there are so many things. So I switched, um, I switched microphone about, uh, two or so years ago. It took me nine months to learn how to use this particular microphone that I'm using. Um, <laughs> Because I was using it wrong, um, you know, and, and actually just using a microphone is number one. And I've been in radio for 29 years. I think I understand how, how to use how to use technology. Um, but, you know, even then it was actually just making sure this was a brand new piece, piece of equipment. I needed to understand how to use it properly. And similarly, um, I changed uh, the editor that I use, the audio editor that I use at the beginning of this year. And I must hmm. have spent two, three months watching videos and going, oh, okay, I should be doing that. And, oh, that's a new little tip. I didn't know anything about that. You know, and actually spending that time to learn stuff, it's not just as easy just to go out and buy uh, a couple of pieces of relatively expensive equipment and just assume that now you've got everything that you need to make a fantastically polished podcast. Now, you really do need to learn how to, how to do all of this as well. Sure. And some of that I'm going to blame on my own country because the U.S. is very consumer focused of you buy the best equipment to make the best thing. You get what you pay for. There's there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so. But but, you know, and and that's true. Once you've squeezed what you can do out of the cheapo equipment that you've bought and you literally can't go any further, then absolutely, by all means, go out and buy a fantastic mixing desk and a, you know, and a, a complicated set of very expensive Shure microphones that will do all of the, uh, all of the job for you. Um, but, uh, you know, from that point, absolutely. But there is a starting point where you just need to be good and competent at what you do. Um, and that, unfortunately, takes time. It's why musicians practice every single day um it's why you know if you're a if you're a, a big footballer or or in your language soccer player you will <laughs> um you know you will uh, spend the time in your practice sessions um because you need to practice and get better and, and get better um you know so um just going out and buying a fancy microphone is not going to make a great podcast it's actually understanding the craft of making it it's understanding how you can get the very best out of the equipment that you have you know that's to me the the uh, you know the important side i just heard a good analogy on that from uh, jan iluga i don't know if i'm saying it right and i apologize if i slaughtered his name <laughs> yeah but he uh, mentioned he's of a musical background and the podcasting, there's a good analog to bands. You don't start a band and appear in a stadium. <laughs> Usually you start a that's band and you hit open mic night. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You're, you're, yeah, absolutely right. And the same goes for comedy and the same goes for, as you say, po podcasting as well. You know, you, you just have to, um, you know, it's, it's a hard slog. Um, Ira Glass says something quite similar, actually. And he said... Um, and it's a quote that I play fairly often when I'm doing um, uh, conference speeches. You know, he, he basically says, I wish when I was starting, I wish that somebody had told me that I will turn out rubbish for the first, uh, you know, for the first uh, five years or so. I wish that people had explained that I will know what I want to get to, but I will actually find myself incapable of actually producing something to the high quality that I really want. Um, but I also wish that people would have told me that eventually I will get there, but I just have to practice and learn how all of this works. And I think, you know, he is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And he started out as an editor too. So yeah, that, that really makes sense. He yeah, had a no, sharp ear. Now that leads in, 
the um, small barrier to entry to what's the uh, elephant in the room at podcast movement. And I actually interviewed the CEO of the company, but it's anchor. Okay. Anchor is a hot topic yeah. in the podcast community. Do you have any thoughts about the company and what's going on? Yeah. I mean, you know, and I saw your interview with, um, uh, uh, with, uh, Mike from, uh, anchor as well. I, I, think it is fear and uncertainty that is being spread by other podcast um, uh, companies who have all of a sudden thought this is quite worrying that if Anchor, um, if Anchor continues to do as well as it's currently doing, then how can we charge $10, $20, $30 a month for podcast hosting? Um, we must think of something nasty to say about them, and we should amplify everybody saying nasty things about them. Um, I, I don't think it's anything more than that, to be honest. Okay. Uh, that was kind of my view, too, but <laughs> um, I don't know and, exactly. And I, you, I, can... I mean, hmm? you know, one, one of the reasons why Anchor has the terms of service that it does is that Anchor does more than a typical podcast host. If you're listening hmm. to SiriusXM, uh, satellite radio, then there is an hour of great, um, great podcasts from Anchor. And what Anchor, what somebody is doing within Anchor is that they are actually sitting there and editing a ton of podcasts together to be able to broadcast them on the radio, on the proper radio to uh, all of North America. Um, and um, that's why the terms of service allow them to do that for you to get more coverage for the podcast that you have put together. Um, and, you know, and there's absolutely no reason why Anchor won't be doing more of this kind of thing in the future of actually taking the great content that you have created and polishing it. Um, so from my point of view, why would you not want that? Um, you know, I can perfectly see that there are um, podcast hosts, um, out there who will jump up and down and say, oh, but the terms of service, um, you know, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're the same ter terms of service, roughly speaking, that we have on YouTube, YouTube, that we have on Twitter, that we have on Facebook. Um, and nobody's saying stop using that. Um, you know, so Anchor isn't right for everybody. And that's absolutely fine. Um, but, you know, I think what Anchor is doing is they're uh, opening uh, podcasting up to a whole new set of people. Um, mm -hmm. All of the data that I've seen, um, and somebody has actually chomped through all, all of the data to work out who is using Anchor, um, but, uh, and, and all of the data that, we, that we've seen is that they are not taking customers away from paid podcast hosting services. They are overwhelmingly adding new people into the world of podcasting, and that has to be a good thing. Um, it's something that, you know, that the, the paid podcast hosts might not like, and I completely understand that. But what we're essentially seeing is the paid podcast hosts spreading fear and uncertainty about a service, which is a pretty good service, a service which, um, has really thought about the user experience of, of recording and of playing. And I think, you know, per personally, I think that Anchor is doing, is doing a great job. I mean, you know, only last week, at Podcast Movement, they announced that they have opened a podcast studio in Manhattan, which is free for anyone to use. I mean, assuming that you're using Anchor. Um, and that is a fantastic thing. I don't see uh, many podcast hosts actually doing that. And again, you know, um, I, I find that the the negativity around what Anchor is is doing to be a little bit more than meets the eye, I have to say. Yeah, I kind of found that too. And do you attend a conference like Podcast Movement and kind of look around and say, who will be here next year? Um, yeah, I think that's an interesting, an interesting thing. I mean, I, I go to an awful lot of, of uh, conferences. Um, mm -hmm. And I should say, I go to an awful, an awful lot of conferences mostly because I speak at them. Uh, Podcast Movement was the first conference in 12 years that I have paid to go to. Wow. Uh, so, um, and then I got asked to, uh, to, to moderate a session. So frankly, I needn't have done, but net, but net, but, but, you know, nevertheless, and what I found really interesting is that, you know, most of the radio, uh, most of the conferences I go to are radio conferences. 
And what I find really interesting is how positive podcast movement was and what an incredibly positive experience it was. Um, you know, and you, and, and, you know, we're there. So, uh, you know, podcasting is a 4% medium in total, in terms of total audio consumption. It's just 4% of the audio that we listen to. Revenue is actually not that large, $314 million last year. Um, mm. Less than a fifth of the, po- of the population listen to a, a podcast. All of the conferences that I go to are radio conferences. 93% of the population listen, nine out of 10 every single week. Mm. You know, it's 60% of audio consumption. It's $13.8 billion, yet all of the folks in radio are going, no, it's all rubbish. It's all miserable. Oh, no, mm. how do we manage our decline? Guys, <laughs> you know, you should be way more positive, way more positive. So I've I found the whole... Um, the whole vibe at podcast movement was such a breath of fresh air, uh, as well as, you know, the clever things that the organizers have done in terms of making it feel much more like a, a community, um, you know, the wealth of different, of different, uh, you know, tracks, uh, there as well. So, um, you know, I found that really interesting and I think, you know, just the mix of different people who were there were, were you know, quite fascinating. But I would agree that I, I suspect that podcasting is seeing a, a bit of a turning point away from the traditionalists who were there 10 years ago um, in the podcasting world, you know, as I was. But the traditionalists with, you know, a podcast must be, you know, democratized media and it must be an RSS feed and it must be an enclosure and blah, blah, blah. We're moving away from that to the brave new world of what is the best way to deliver on-demand audio content to everybody out there. Um, And that answer might not be, you know, OPML feeds and, you know, and a lot and a long complex list of podcast catchers you know it might it might be a much more simple way and a way that some of the early adopters might seem a little bit uncomfortable about but i think that's a that's the sign of a great industry beginning to mature beginning to turn into adulthood um and i think that that's probably a good thing have you ever heard the hemingway quote about um how did you go into bankruptcy I have something like it's something like slowly at first and then suddenly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like we're at some of these points here where things have been kind of dragging, dragging, dragging. And I, I'm going to count radio in that too. I, hmm. I think that radio may plunge. I don't know if it'd be right away, but again, slowly at first and then, whoa, what happened? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely going to be an inflection point at some stage. Yeah, and the and the question is how we get to that inflection point, and the question is, you know, um, you know whether uh, you know whether Google Podcasts help it helps in that, whether actually the word podcast is, you know, is an issue, and so on and so forth. But there's definitely going to be an inflection point, and I and I I suspect that we kind of assume that it's going to happen every single year, and then at the end of the year, we're slightly disappointed that we haven't seen that sort of hockey stick and we're mm. and and then we go into next year going it's, it's going to be this year it's going to be this year <laughs> um you know but uh, it would be great to uh, i i would i would certainly agree that at some point we will see two things happening by the way we will see an inflection point in terms of consumption and i also think we will see a massive great big burst in terms of the amount of vc money which is being poured into this industry at the moment um and those two may not necessarily actually counter counter each other out i think that actually that will be a benefit for the you know for for the industry as well um that we'll actually see a little bit of a reset uh in terms of uh, how the industry is actually built that loops me back around to anchor because truthfully i got on it because well i'm i host a podcast so i'm a slut if you have a player, I'm on it. Yeah. Yeah. But when interviewing him and exploring it over time, they have some very serious backers behind them. Oh yeah. Yeah. People who don't take things lightly, mm. people who don't throw their money. Yeah. After bat, if you will, things like Google ventures. Mm. And I personally feel the backlash against anchor 
actually legitimatizes them in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think what Anchor is, is doing is very clever. And I think particularly what Anchor is doing um, that is working very well is they are rethinking everything. I mean, every single part of the um of the podcast industry they are rethinking how it works i mean just from a very basic level when you're editing a podcast on your anchor app you don't edit using a sound wave you edit using words uh you know you can actually see the words and you can go i don't want that sentence anymore i will edit that out um just just from that point of view you can see how much rethinking anchor is doing and how much you know how much work they're doing in terms of making this an even more democratic medium um i mean the reality is that if you are spending 20 dollars a month on hosting a podcast that is a lot of money for somebody that is in uh, india in pakistan um in indonesia that is a hell of a lot of money and actually if we can get rid of that hurdle then that's one more hurdle that we don't need to worry about and we can actually open even more um you know audiences on the air so um yeah you know i think that there's some very interesting interesting things that um that uh, anchor are doing um and i think what we're essentially seeing is we're seeing a uh we're seeing a very small backlash which is being amplified by um by you know the old traditional podcast uh hosts and you know, and I think we should be careful not to be drawn too much into that. Now, moving forward, um, and to finish this up, because you are the uh, futurologist, <laughs> I kind of feel like um, podcasting is at a similar point as Web 1.0, and we're about to enter podcasting 2.0, and things like, um, in my mind, audio dramas, mm. true crime and other elements are are going to break this wide open. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of subjects, I, so I have a theory in terms of subjects that I haven't written an article on yet. Um, oh, yay. So exclusive. there you go. This is, this is as exclusive as they get. Um, and I have a theory that what we should be looking at is not thinking about podcasts as being TV. Um, mm -hmm. because TV, if you look at TV, you know, the most popular, um, TV shows in many countries are quiz shows and, uh, reality shows and, and the sorts of content that we watch as a family that we watch as a group. Um, that's not how podcasts are consumed. Podcasts are consumed overwhelmingly by yourself. 88% of all podcasts in the UK are consumed by one person, uh, alone. So, uh, and by the way, that figure is about 52% for radio. So you can see that there's a big difference there in terms of how podcasts intimate. are consumed. Yeah, it's an incredibly intimate medium. Um, and so what that essentially means is that we shouldn't be aping TV content because that's not that's not what we what we consume when we are consuming, you know, um, content alone. What we should be um, what we should be looking for for subject ideas and for format ideas is your local bookshop because that's where all of the uh, all of the really intimate media happens in a book and actually weirdly when you go into a bookshop what's what are the big categories self-help true crime um you know business b business advice and that and that sort of thing you know self-improvement um you know, uh, an autobiography, which, uh, you know, frankly, a lot of the podcasts that you listen to, a lot of the smaller ones are essentially autobiography as well. So you end Memoir. up with something which is actually quite, uh, quite similar. So, um, so I guess the first, the first thing that I would say in terms of, in terms of subjects is go and have a look in the bookshop. Um, have a look what categories work really well. Have a look at the New York Times bestsellers list and of course fiction is there but the bigger sellers are all kinds of other things as well um fiction is also really difficult to do or audio drama is really difficult to do really well um so it's much easier to do an interview podcast it's much easier to do um you know a 
you, you know, a simpler podcast. Once you start getting actors involved, once you start um, having scripts involved and everything else, it is really hard. And oh, there's yeah. a good there's a good reason why you know radio drama isn't on the radio much anymore. Um, and that's because it's really difficult to do well and very expensive to do well. But I would certainly agree that that is definitely an area which is ripe for, you know, ripe for expansion. Uh, you know, so I think uh, I think in terms of subjects, definitely, you know, um, the bookshop is where it's at, not TV, not Netflix. Um, and I think we could learn a lot from, you know, if you can find a bookshop these days, <laughs> You know, walking around one would be a would be a wise plan. I think that's actually um, an ironic situation. I don't know if you remember. There was a movie in the late nineties called "You've Got Mail." Yes, with Tom Hanks and Meg yeah. Ryan. Well, the premise of that movie was the big bad corporate chain bookstore came into town and was threatening her little mom and pop bookshop. Right. Well, guess what? <laughs> All the corporate chains have died. Yes, and the only bookshops that are surviving and even thriving are the independents. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, and again, it comes down to personality and it comes down to, um, you know, it comes down to the intimacy of a bookshop. You know, you probably don't want, I mean, I'm sure that you can still buy books at Walmart. Maybe, um, you can buy books in, in UK, um, uh, supermarkets, not here in Australia, oddly, but, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, or the airport is another great, you know, uh, great, uh, you know, opportunity. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that that is interesting, isn't it? That actually there is a um, you know the the uh, you know it is a return to more intimate, more local uh, you know more local things. And actually, you know that probably says that what the bookshop does isn't sell books. What the bookshop does is it's advice. You know, it, um, advice on what books to buy. It's a uh, you know, it's the whole ancillary stuff that a bookshop offers other than just the selling books thing. Um, it's community. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I think, you know, uh, and again, um, I think that, that that's one of the things that I come away from podcast movement thinking about is that that wasn't just a conference. It was a community of like-minded people. And a community mm. of common interest is a very, very powerful thing if you use it well. Well, fantastic. Now, everybody can check you out every day. Um, I think every it's miraculous. Day. You... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Perfect tone on that. Every it's miraculous day. that you pull it off. Uh, but um, podnews.net, everybody must subscribe to that. Uh, yeah, podnews.net, it's very good. And you'll also find podnews in your um, uh, in your uh, podcast um, uh, thing in your podcast apps, uh, including a special weekly version uh, in uh, Spotify, because it was the only way that I could get in there, <laughs> was, to, oh, really? was to produce a different version um, that I actually stick in there through the folks at Omni Studio, um, because because otherwise, uh, I, because I self-host. So therefore, uh, Spotify just looked at me as if oh. it was insane when I said, uh, please, can I have my podcast into Spotify? Oh, no, you self-host. Why would you do that? Right. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, and that's there. And if you're interested in um, uh, all of the talk of radio uh, in this episode, if you're interested in that, uh, then there's a weekly newsletter that you can also get, which is available at james.crid.land, which is, which is uh, awesome, which is a fantastic, fantastic website, james.crid.land. Uh, and that's a weekly newsletter all about radio trends and where radio is going in the future. Well, hey, Thank you so much for coming on and helping educate us on everything. Well, it's been a great pleasure, Eric, and thank you for asking me. Mr. Hayes' office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to a Mr. A fish Hayes? surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition. Introducing the diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The Diarist, an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. Available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my... Andrea. 
I do notice you. I like that blouse on you very much. You look very pretty, just as you are right now. Oh, well, I... It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? I like it very much. You see, I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. Hey podcast fans, I'm Rachel, host of We're All Mad Here, a new podcast about the history of mental health. Do you love history? Do you love creepy stories of abandoned hospitals? How about questionable medical procedures? We're covering it all. Not only will we sneak around in old asylums, we'll talk about the patients that stayed there and what their lives were like. We're covering disorders, cures, and living life with mental illness. So come join us on We're All Mad here at allmadpod.com because the history of mental illness is insane. Now, tonight's adventure into the unknown. Shut up and sit down. Hey, it's Sarge. And Frenzy. From the Sarge Approved Podcast. Uh, If you're not familiar, the Sarge Approved Podcast has a guest every episode featuring uh, people like actors, comedians, uh, survival experts, authors, martial arts experts, basically a whole gamut of badass people. Yes. And you can check out all our episodes on all the podcast platforms, iTunes, Spreaker, uh, uh, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio. Um, yeah. You can check us out on all our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things. It's all at Sarge Approved. Yep. Check it out, and we hope you enjoy it. Bye.